Okay, good evening, my brothers and sisters. Better than the first time here when I came and said good night. <laughs> I'm learning, I'm learning. Well, this is our resume, just a little flash about our ministry in Brazil. One more. Whoops, this is not my picture. That's a pictorious day. <laughs> we believe in this. Oops, one less. I believe it is too. Uh -huh. Can you see the words? I, I'm sure everybody here knows this passage in Malachi. Habakkuk. Yes, Habakkuk. In Portuguese, Habakkuk. But we believe this, and we are in the ministry because we would like to make part in this process to make Jesus know about the nations in all this world. And this is my family. Uh, I'm sure you remember my son, my daughter. They were here eight years ago. Our daughter just graduated college. She's an architecture. And my son, Rafael, our son, is still in college. And he's working for Unisys, uh, the company for softwares. Both are in Campo Grande. Our daughter just uh, got a job last week. It's amazing how God can provide everything. This is in Amazon River. Uh, Larry and me, we were there in the north of Brazil, border of Bolivia, no, Colombia and Peru, among the Indians. If you can see right here, I think you know this name here. Yeah, uh, I, I'm there as your representative, yeah. One more. We were there, not because the Amazon is beautiful, it really is. But we were there because the people, we were there to teach a group of leaders from some groups in that area. Someone from Brazil, from Bolivia, from Colombia, and from Peru. They were there to study a little bit more the Bible. We are working. Uh, we were here in 2006, 2007. We moved to... Um, South Mato Grosso. We are there working among the Terenas, teaching leaders. And I like this picture because this man here, Jair Oliveira, he was the first Indian to be a pastor, ordained pastor in Brazil. And who did this? Who ordained him? Mr. Buckman, Larry's father. And this is our ministry there. We work among the leaders, but at the same time, when I'm teaching the, the men, my wife, she's teaching the ladies, the wives of the leaders, because we are investing in a couple, not only in the men. Please keep these two leaders in your praise. Edimar and Danilo, both are Terenas pastors. We are investing in these two guys. We have other students, but these two, 
they are correspondent much more than any others. For example, Edimar, he's took in my place in the class. He's teaching the leaders in his area. We have three villages in his area. And I started the group, and now he's teaching in my place. This is amazing. It's a dream for us, missionaries. We are passing ahead. They can continue what we start. It's our ministry. They are not our mission field. They are partners. They are partners. One more. This is another important ministry God gave us. Uh, during the time in the city, we attended a Presbyterian church there. And this lady here, she and another lady came to us and said, could you help us to learn a little bit more the Bible? Once a week is not enough for us. We would you like to spend the time during the week studying the Bible. And then we can use my house because I can invite another ladies. And some ladies came. For example, this one here and this one right there. Catholics. They came because the husband of this lady passed away. We were praying for this family, but God took his life. And she came to thank us. Give, and then we start praying. She came and brought her friend. Our meeting is real simple, uh, informal. Each one with a Bible. And then we read. And this lady here, she said, this is the first time in my life when I could read the Bible by myself. Is a lady in the city. I'm not talking about some uh, Indian primitive group in the middle of the Amazon forest. A lady in a capital. Never read the Bible. And see, this lady here, few weeks later, she received Christ as her savior. One more, please. This is another ministry. This is in the city. We go to the village many times. You will see during this day here, uh, our presentation tell about more the Indians. But this, when we are not among the Indians, we're still working. This is another ministry. It's a men's singers of the hope ministry. And I am the preacher for this group. During the week, we have uh, practice once a week. And I give a little Bible study for the group. And when we sing once a month in the cities, Campo Grande and other cities and villages, I took the group to sing in the villages too. I am the preacher for the group. And praise the Lord, we, have, we could see many people receiving Christ because this ministry too. One more. Now we have a new challenge. We still work among the terrenas. We are working for almost eight years. And now God opened new doors for us. This new challenge for us. Once, one, here, we are living here, Salto Mato Grosso, this capital, Campo Grande. Rondonia, Mato Grosso, and Naranjal. In Paraguay, it's not Brazil, it's another country, Paraguay. One more, please. The Aches, uh, they celebrate 20 years 
when they left the florist. They were leaving the florist for years, almost died about malnutrition. They are so short people. It's interesting, when they love to hug, when they hug me, I could feel something like Aragorn in Lord of the Rings, the Aragorn hugging Frodo, the little short man, because they are so short, but they love Jesus. They have other villages, but this village in Naranjal, Puerto Barra, the gospel make, made big change in their lives. They bought their own tractor for, to work in the plantation. They don't ask the government for the money. They buy everything because they are Christian. No, we can work, we can <laughs> raise our own money and buy what we need. And they are teaching others' group too. Canaan Training Center. This is in Hondonia. Can you see all these almost teenagers, young people from many tribes? 2010, when a group from uh, Georgia, the, the Baptist church in that area, sent a group work team. Since 2010, 2010, they have four students. Today, they have 52. And don't have more because too much rain this day. And some students can't leave the village. The big flood there. But they have 52 students from many villages, many tribes. In the future, this, this group will be the leaders in their own villages. We are investing in the future, investing in their families, their relatives too. I don't know how, how, much, how many people here know uh, Word of Life. Do you know Word of Life here? Okay. Harold Reimer, my father-in-law, he's a pioneer of Word of Life in Brazil. Harold Reimer and Henry Bobeck, they were missionaries in Brazil, worked among the Chavantes Indians for years. And they, they left the Mato Grosso, moved to Sao Paulo, to start Word of Life camp, Word of Life seminary. I graduated in Word of Life seminary. And I know many other missionaries in Brazil and overseas from the same seminary. It's a result of his ministry. And he works among the Chavantes for years. And now the Chavantes ask us to help to learn the Bible the last few years, another missionary passed in that area among the Chavantes. He was teaching, you don't need the Bible. The Bible is something from the white people. You are indigenous. You have your own culture. You don't need the Bible. But now, the Indians put this missionary runaway, <laughs> and he invited us to help them. We have many villages in that area asking for help. And who you teach? Me? I'm not enough for all the villages. But we are looking forward to help these people. And then, do you remember Edimar, Danilo, the Chavantes pastors? They will help us. They can go to another village in the future 
if the doors close for non-Indians, they continue because they are Indians. This is our ministry, training leaders, training leaders to preach the gospel, to share the gospel to another Indians group. And this is the celebration. Harold Wyman was right here. We fixed that building. Uh, they were building in 1984, only uh, last month. They received the first, uh, what do you say, reformer? Restoration in the building. It was a terrible situation. But now they have a, almost a brand new building. But they need people teaching the Bible for the leaders, because the leaders will teach the people. We invest in leaders, and then they will teach their own people. One more. Remember this, my brother, my sister, all the missionaries who you support is the extension of your arms. Here to the end of the world. One more. Thank you so much for your investment in our lives, in our ministry. I'm sure you know the Bible maybe better than me. Do you remember Matthew 13? The parable, parable of the weeds. When Jesus explained the parable for the disciples, he said, you are the good seeds. You, the child of God. We just sang it right now about the child of God. We, you, you and me, we are the good seeds. And what Jesus said about the field, he said, the field is the world. It's not Brazil. It's not South America, Asia, Africa. Anywhere where we are is the mission field. Who is a missionary? That person who is overseas, outside of his country, to preach the gospel. Okay, I agree. But since that day when you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, you and me, we are citizens of the heaven. Anywhere in this world, we are representatives of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. We are his ambassadors. Thank you, my brothers and sisters. Marilda made a statement this morning that we're picking up what Larry left behind. That's kind of true. Uh, when the Lord brought us together uh, eight years ago, and they were willing to leave their ministry up in the northern part of Brazil and come down and help us with the south and the tribes down south, we had no idea what the Lord had in mind for us to do. But since then, it's been a great time of fellowship as we tag team through the tribes. And I take him, I open up a door and say, Oness, we need to come here because they need somebody younger to keep this going long term. And so he's been doing that. The tribes that he's mentioned tonight, like the Ache in Paraguay, we have already begun the broadcasting, well, not the broadcasting, but 
uh, the recording of the Messenger Project, uh, which are sermons and discipleship material and also the New Testament. The New Testament is already completed and ready to go, and so now we're doing the second part, and they're doing it themselves. They have young people that have been trained, and they have young people that are translating, and so that project is going in Paraguay. There's another one with the Guarani Indians, which is a huge tribe, about uh, 12 million people speak Guarani in South America. And so we've started on that project, and then come September, we'll start with the Mapuche in Chile and the Gypsies, which is the Romane language in Chile. The Romane is what they speak all over the world. There's 12 million Gypsies all over the world. And so we're starting to reach those two people groups by the end of the year. Uh, before we get to the Chilean uh, tribes, uh, we'll be doing the World Cup. And today I talked to some people who are interested in, in going back to Brazil, and I invited them to come and join us. That starts in June, June 13. We start the World Cup, and we have some people interested in going, and we're going to be evangelizing. We're not the only ones. There's thousands of Christians coming from around the world to evangelize at the 12 stadiums. It's going to be dangerous. Uh, lots of protesters. Uh, people are planning to strike because they're against the Brazilian government, and it's a great time with all the world press there to make their feelings and their sentiments known. And so the Christians are saying, well, we can do it. <laughs> the Christians that live there are saying, we can stand up to all of this. And they, they did in the Confederation Games in this last summer uh, when they got caught between the police lines and the protesters and felt the sting of the gas, the tear gas, and all the problems that came. But God spared their lives, and so they said, well, if God spared us once, he can spare us again, and they want to go back. And so they're inviting people to come because they'll, the main three languages are Spanish, English, and Portuguese that will be spoken by the people attending these games. And so they're saying, who are the Americans that can come and speak English and witness to these people that are coming in there? So we're now beginning to work on those projects. Uh, the Messenger is one of those projects that has opened doors that I never imagined. Uh, when I came in contact with uh, in-touch people, they called me. I was in Brazil, and we were there being missionaries, working among the tribes, doing discipleship. And Ian Curry called me from Nashville. He was at National Religious Broadcasters, and he said, Larry, have you ever seen the messenger? And I said, yes, I have seen the messenger. He said, have you ever used the messenger? And I said, no, I haven't. And he said, why not? And I said, because I don't have $35 to buy these. <laughs> and he said, if I could give you all the messengers you need, would you use them to reach the tribes in Brazil? And I said, well, the problem is that the tribes that live close to the Amazon speak Portuguese as a second language, but the ones upriver that have never heard the gospel do not. They speak their own tribal language, their mother tongue. And so we need to translate to those languages. And he said, that's exactly why we need to talk to you. Can you come to Atlanta? So we came to Atlanta, both Faye and I came to the States, and we sat down with them, and they began to tell us that they wanted to start reaching the tribes that are unreached in the world. Now, in Brazil, there's 125 tribes that never heard the gospel one time. 125. In all of the Amazon, including several other countries like Bolivia, Colombia, uh, Venezuela, Peru, there are 255 tribes total that have never heard about Jesus Christ one time. Now, I know that there's millions of people in the 1040 window in, in all those African and Arab countries that have never heard, and the gospel is getting in there. I was just with uh, Faith Comes by Hearing this last week, uh, Monday and Tuesday. I was out in New Mexico, Albuquerque, and looked at there, and it was unbelievable. They had a map of the globe, and, and they said, uh, today in the last 24 hours, these are the people that have checked in to, the, to the, read the Bible in their language, either on an app 
or on the internet or in some other chat room. They have gone in and they're reading the Bible and they had the map full of these different apps. And he chose one in Egypt, boink. And then he went to Cairo, Egypt, boink. And when he hit Cairo, it was like an explosion, like at, you know, 4th of July when the fireworks go off, there was just rays going everywhere across the screen. And he said, let's just choose one of those. So he hit one app and in Egypt, and all of a sudden, you could see the city. He was in Cairo. And he hit to enlarge it, and he said, oh, he's reading the Bible right now in his car. And I'm saying, uh, this is a missionary organization, and they can track a guy reading the Bible right now? Yes, we can. And I said, wow. Then he went to another slide, and he said, the average reader today in these 24 hours, this was on Monday of this week, is 29 minutes. But he said, if you go over here to the United States, he went over to the United States, he said, the average people read the Bible or listen to the Bible in their car, in their home, is three minutes a day. But when you go to the Arab countries, he went now to the Arab countries, he said, it's two hours. So when you average two hours with the Arabs and three minutes with the North Americans, we get 29 minutes. What does that say to you? People are taking the time to go to a cafe or they're sitting in their home or they're in their car and they're listening to God's word all over the world. And it was the same thing for China. God's word is penetrating into places we have no idea. Um, and then, he didn't say this, but I found out later asking that if he wanted to find out the name of that man in his car, he could go through the IP address in his computer and he would be able to, within an hour, figure out his name, where he works, and where he lives. So that that night, someone could go to his home and say, would you like a printed copy of the Bible for you to read? God has given us unbelievable tools to reach people that are behind these curtains that the devil has put up so the gospel won't reach them. And when we read passages like Acts 1.8 and... And Jesus is saying to his disciples, so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. And so when you hear people say, well, I think he's going to come when. It's not that for you to know the times, but the Father has fixed them by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. He said that to the disciples and everyone else that was there. He says it to you and me today. We all have the same power of the Holy Spirit. And when we see people that are beginning to invent things so that we can reach with a computer, there, in, the, in our world in Latin America, there are 2.37 cell phones for everybody alive in South America. 2.37. So the question I ask myself is, what are we doing to reach the cell phones? So at the World Cup stadiums, we're going to have an independent portable Wi-Fi so that you can download the Jesus film, the Bible, anything in your language. And as you walk into this area of 150 feet, which is about where we are here, you can pick up the signal, and on your smartphone, you can download within minutes the Jesus film, the Bible, in your language. That's one of the things we're going to use. We're going to have micro SDs, those small little things they put into your cell phone. We're going to have those available so people can take it and put it in their cell phone so they have God's word in their phone.
as they're walking toward the stadium. Now, folks, God's given us unbelievable things. I was uh, at the lake the other day in Georgia, and I was watching a man with a drone. Have you seen those drones? They have four propellers on them. They go, they're kind of cool. And I had this idea in Brazil a month or so ago. What would it be like if we got a drone at the stadium and the drone went around with on the sides of it signs in different languages saying, open your, open your smartphone right now. You can receive an unbelievable message and have this thing going because people that are going to the soccer stadium are in a big hurry. They're in a big, they want to get there. They want to find their seat. They want to sit down. It may be an hour before the game, but they're in a big hurry. So how do you slow people down that are going to a soccer game? I don't know. I've started sharing my idea. What about a drone, guys? I went and asked the man, how much does the drone cost? He said, out of the box, ready to fly, $450. Wow. We could try it. Because whatever we do now for the World Cup, we'll do for the Copa de Americas, which is the America's Cup, which comes the next year. And then in 2016, we have the Olympics in Rio de Janeiro. And we as Christians have unbelievable tools that we can use to reach these folks that are coming from all over the world with the gospel. And once somebody downloads the scriptures or a video or any kind of a message in his cell phone, it can now become viral. He can log on the number of somebody back in his country and whoosh, it's gone. And once it hits there, it's whoosh to their friends. It becomes viral. We're beginning to look at cell phones and apps and all of these things as ways that we can reach people with the gospel. Now, I was just came back from Brazil last week. I threw some video together for you. It's not polished. It's what we call rough cut. It's really rough. I want you to see two stories. One story is with the Tikkun Indians who just received the messenger and they're beginning to distribute it and I want you to see how God's using it in their lives. And the second is on the northeastern part of Brazil where people have been dying of thirst for years. They only get rain for three months a year and the rest of the time it's a desert. And God has opened some unbelievable doors so the gospel can go into that area. It's terribly demonic. It's the most demonic place in all of Brazil, the Sertão. The three largest Macumba cities that deal in demon worship are in those parts, in the desert. And, of course, they have Catholicism and idolatry. So those two have combined together in that part of the world, totally against the gospel. But what you're going to see tonight is how the power of Jesus Christ through his word is breaking through. I'm going to narrate this video for you. I don't know what you need to do back there to turn off the lights and everything. This is Tikuna Church. They've had the gospel for about 50 years. And now they have the opportunity of taking the gospel to other tribes, something they never thought about until the missionaries left about 10 years ago. They realize now the gospel is up to us to take to other tribes. So they've been on the rivers, and Wilson, an MAF pilot from Manaus, has come to work with them. I think Manesma Manil to know him. And he took us out one day, and we were going to go with these tikkunas, and, and we're going to go to a village that was supposed to be Christian, but when he flew over, he realized that the trees were growing over the river, and he wouldn't be able to land, so he said, I've got to go just downriver to another place called Novo Horizontes. And, and the Indians said, oh, my goodness, that's a cruzada village. That's where people uh, have a sect. It's a Catholic sect, and they hate evangelicals, and they persecute us. And he said, well, we have no other choice. We have to land there. 
So it was a moment of tension in the plane as we got ready to come down. He's flying on floats, by the way, so you don't have to worry about looking for a runway. He's going to land on the water. And he lands on the river, and now the question is, what's the village going to do with us? Because they have no idea we're coming. They've never seen a plane come into that part of the world before, and here we are coming up to the bank. And, of course, uh, as typical, the children come out to greet us, which is a very good sign because if they didn't think we were, you know, worthy of their village, they'd tell the kids to go back home, but the kids come out and we come swooping over down to the village, and now we're beginning to talk among ourselves. Well, wonder what's going to happen. Well, what happened was that Ezekias, the man who produced the messenger, stood up and he explained that the messenger worked, that it had God's word and messages, and the chief got up and he said, I've listened to this. He said, we've had politicians come here, the mayors come here, people from the government have come here. They've all told us that they were going to do this and that and they put in a well and it doesn't work they put in telephones that don't work they put in the school they didn't send teachers but he said this messenger comes from the tikuna and it works and so we were able to leave god's word there with them and they invited us to come back and hold services in their crusada church now we go to the northeast very poor desert look at those poor chickens i mean chickens have to have water Everybody's got a donkey at their house because that's how they carry water from the very dirty river to their house. And this is Antonio Torres. He owns the largest factory in Brazil that, that makes uh, water cisterns. And he says, this is our opportunity to take the gospel along with it because the government gave him a contract to, to put install in these houses, 80,000 of these cisterns. Now, these are the small ones. So we got into his million-dollar plane, and we went up with some of the directors of the Baptist mission, some of the pastors, because he wanted to show us the tremendous need that exists now because of putting in these water systems. He's sitting on the floor of his plane, believe it or not, because he wanted to be able to talk to us the whole way up there and share with us what it's going to take, because behind the teams that are putting installing these systems, the gospel has to come in with a few evangelists that are up there. We need more evangelists. This is one of those cisterns, 16,000 liters. And it, it'll give them enough water to last the eight months that they have no rainwater. And so they hook it up to the, uh, the, 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 the channels that they put on the roof of the house. For the three months they have rain, they have water that comes down. Now these fellows right here are going and they're doing exactly what they're supposed to do. They're adjusting and making sure that everybody's happy with their system. And these are the evangelists. Because after they do their work of inspection, then they go and they talk to the people and they say, I have a message from God for you. And they begin to share God's word. And people are accepting Christ as families right in the door of their house saying, yes, we want Jesus. We never heard of the gospel before. Now, just think about it. Here we are praying house after house with people accepting Christ. There are 50 teams and they are installing 500 cisterns a day. We have eight evangelists that are out there as inspectors. Eight. Now you figure that out. We're installing 300 a day. How can we ever keep track of everything? And we have to have more people come in and they're just realizing we need an army of people to come in here and lead these folks to Christ. That night we had a community meeting. People that had come to Christ in their home came that night. Look who the men are. The community leaders standing up first and saying, I want Jesus. And they say it right in front of all the people. And when they do that, look at what happens to the rest of the crowd that's there. They stand up and say, we want to accept Jesus too. Folks, what are we going to do with these folks? There's like 50 to 100 people a night coming to Jesus. 
So I said to the pastors, this time we get together and we start talking because we got to organize something here really fast. We got to train people that are go out and witness to these folks. So we sat in a meeting with a group of pastors. This is a missionary who comes from the Sertón. And he said, I can't believe what's happening. I've never seen the Spirit of God move with my people. As he's crying, these men got to their knees and he said, Lord, show us what you needed for us to do. To take the gospel to these folks, we have never seen a harvest like this before. So we sat there and prayed. Antonio, this multimillionaire, he's right on his knees with everybody else saying, Lord, I'm giving up my business. I'm giving 80% to my son. I'm going to hold on to 20, which is just the meeting with the administrators. And my wife and I are going to move up here, and we're beginning to become missionaries to these people. This is where I came from. This is one day's work, 300 tanks. <laughs> How would you like to do that in one day, install 300 tanks? And here they're beginning to explain to the people on the field, when you install the tank, behind you will come another group of men. These are people that are going to evangelize. They're going to be your inspectors, but they're also going to evangelize the people and lead them to Christ. This is the warehouse where they work, and here they are. The system's installed, and they take time to pray with the family and lead them to Christ. We went to Zhuang's house. I didn't know João. Lives in an adobe house, sun-bricked house, very poor. Some of his children didn't even have any clothes. And we were there talking. He's built a church on the other side, which is nothing more than a piece of plastic over some sticks. And, and he said to me, you know, my daughter's a missionary. I said, really? So I went around, and here she was and sitting on one of the poles that makes the pew in their church. And she said her name was Jaziara. And I said, I understand you're a missionary. And she said, yes. And I said, how do you minister? She said, well, in school, I, I tell boys and girls and that are my friends about Jesus Christ, but now they hate me. And I only really have one friend left. And I don't know what I did wrong, but I'm just telling them about how I accepted Jesus and how my whole family accepted Jesus. And then she said, the other night, the drunks came over to kill my dad because he won't drink with them anymore. And my dad had to escape through the little window in our house and go hide in the field all night so they wouldn't find him and kill him. And she says, I don't know what I did wrong. And I said, you know what, Josiah, you didn't do anything wrong. These people don't like you because you're, you're telling them something they've never heard before. But God's going to give you the grace and he's going to protect you because as these water systems come into these houses, people are going to realize the love of God and you're showing the love of God. Folks, I cried more on this trip than I've ever cried in my life. And one of the men there, the engineers, he took my camera because he realized I really wanted to talk to her and counsel her. I've never heard of people being persecuted like this at such a young age, such new Christians. And so I began to pray with her. I began to talk to her and I said, God will protect you. God will give you the words to say to these people. She's a brand new Christian. And then she told me, she said, I'm one of 60 people that are going to be baptized on the 20th of April this next month. In that little church right there beside her house, on Sunday, there's over 80 people that come now every Sunday. And this pastor, he said, I don't know what to do. Look at the poles they sit on. That's, that's their church. 
He said, I don't know what to do. He said, he said I have churches like this cropping up everywhere. People are saying, make my house a church. Antonio Torres, the wealthy man, said, we're going to build a new church here. We're going to tear your house down if that's all right with you. We're going to put up a new house for you to live in with your family. And then there was another pastor. He said, you know, my daughter is going to turn 16 in November. And Jaziada said, I'm turning 16 too. And that's a big party in Brazil when a girl becomes 16. He said, we're going to bring everything from my house in Victoria. And I'm going to come here and I'm going to give you my daughter's dress after she turns 16 so you can have a party. And we're all going to come and have a party with you. That night we had another meeting. Guess what happened? About 100 people came forward to accept Christ. And after the meeting was over, we spent our time doing just what you saw right there, talking to people, praying with them. The, the owner of the bar where we had the meeting, he accepted Christ and he said, this isn't going to be a bar anymore, this is going to be a church. Now, folks, I've never seen stuff like this before in my life. And I, and I came back to the States and I said, somehow I've got to take this video and take it to Mount Calvary so you begin to see what's happening. This isn't Larry doing anything. All I'm doing is following the Spirit. When Jesus said in Acts 1.8, I'm giving you all the power of the Holy Spirit. And when we see the Holy Spirit begin to move, we, all we have to say is, okay, Lord, what do you want us to do? Now, I've had some people tell me, you know, Larry, you're getting up there. You really ought to re think about retiring. And I told Paul Eliski tonight, I said, Paul, as long as God gives me legs to walk, I'm going to walk. How can we stop when the harvest is so great and people need to be trained to bring in the harvest? We say, pray the Lord of the harvest that he bring forth labors. And, and here they are coming. And now it's time to train them so they know how to bring in the harvest, how to plant the church, how to take care of God's people. So I come to you tonight with a heart that has been broken because I see the tremendous need in the world. And I want to thank you as a church for being behind us as missionaries. Probably many times we don't get to share what we really think. But when you get my age, you're not so afraid anymore. If there was any time for you to pray for us, and I met my prayer partner here this morning, and I used to sit one, two, three, four, five pews back, not the ones you have now, the old ones. And we used to pray together. Those prayer meetings on Wednesday night are what makes the difference for us on the mission field. And I know you're praying for us. Tonight, I had a, someone come and say, we need your new picture because we want to pray for you. God's spirit is in you just like he's in us. The same power that he gives to us is also at your disposal. And I want to pray for you as a congregation as I close tonight, reminding you that that Holy Spirit is at work in the world in ways that you can't even imagine and I can't imagine. But he is working and he is reaching people who really, really want to know who he is. Let's pray. Father, I thank you tonight for these folks that have come in the snow and the ice and the rain and the cold weather. To hear missionaries talk about tremendous need, tribes that have never heard the gospel and want to hear, tribes that want to be, be grown up and matured in your word. And I pray for the people of the Sertão of Brazil, 
Father, what a tremendous need they've had for so many years, and they've been ignored by the church. And, and now you've given us this wonderful opportunity to follow the cisterns and the water that is physical, but follow it with the water that's of life. Father, I pray that you would be with Mount Calvary Church. Thank you for those faithful people who come on Wednesday night and pray. Thank you for the faithful ones who have come tonight to this meeting to pray for us. Father, we ask that you would continue to bless them and give them wonderful, wonderful years of service as they seek your face. And I pray that you'd be with the leadership of this church, continue to give freedom to ministry. Father, I thank you for the young people that are coming to this church. It was so wonderful to see kids today and young people. Father, I thank you for your blessing in our congregation. And I pray that it would continue. Protect us, Father, until you come to take us home, I pray in Jesus' name. What a blessing. I'm going to ask that we just take a few minutes, and I'm going to ask Joe. Joe, would you come up front? And, uh, of course, Joe and Linda are, are missionaries also. And I thought it would be neat tonight to close our time praying for Anissimo and Larry and their family. So I'm going to ask Joe if he would come and, and pray specifically for them this evening and for God's hand to continue to be on them. Can I just say uh, one thing? Brazil's got a great opportunity because the World Cup will be there this year, the Olympics in two years. Eight years from now, it will be in a Muslim country, the World Cup. So I think God is giving us an opportunity and a time. Not saying that, that we can't get the gospel in there because it's not bound, but you know what I'm trying to say when I say that. I think God's giving an opportunities there, and I, that's exciting to hear. So, and I encourage you to pray because those are big events when it comes to the World Cup, etc., in Brazil, this is a big thing. And it's a great opportunity for the gospel. And the church is active in reaching out in Brazil, and it's exciting to see it. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you for what we've heard this evening and for the burden that these two couples and those that they minister amongst and they're transferring on to have a desire to reach the unreached people of the Amazon Basin and in Brazil and other countries. I just pray that you will continue to bless them. I thank you for the blessing it was to see Harold Reimer there and to hear and to see of his ministry uh, continuing on and his active involvement in reaching others for Jesus Christ and training others to reach others for Jesus Christ. I pray your blessing upon Anesimo and his wife and for uh, Larry and and for all of their ministries, their children, uh, that you will encourage them in their ministries where you have placed them and where you are propelling them out to reach many others with the gospel of Jesus Christ. May your name be glorified. May you give them great wisdom, particularly I pray for the World Cup coming up and the ministry that's taking place there, that you will give wide and open and effectual doors of opportunities for the gospel to go to the nations of the world who will be coming to Brazil. And so, Lord, we ask your blessing upon them and all that they're seeking to do to further the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it's in his name that we pray. Amen.